Introduction of the Prospective Mother by J. Morris Lemons. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jeanette Selig. Introduction. In all branches of medicine, the master word is prophylaxis, or prevention, and its benefits are nowhere more strikingly illustrated than in the practice of obstetrics. In former times, every woman who gave birth to a child or passed through a miscarriage was exposed to grave danger of infection or childbed fever, but at present, thanks to the recognition of the bacterial origin of the disease and of its identity with wound infection, this danger can be practically eliminated by the rigid observance of surgical cleanliness and aseptic technique. Physicians have also learned that the most effective method of coping with other serious complications of pregnancy and labor is by preventing their occurrences, or at least by subjecting them to treatment in their earliest stages, for if they be allowed to go on to full development, the results are little better than in times past. Furthermore, a careful examination some weeks before the expected date of confinement enables us to recognize the existence of abnormal presentations and of disproportion between the size of the mother's pelvis and that of the child's head. Timely recognition of such conditions makes appropriate treatment possible and practically ensures a successful outcome, while tardy recognition is frequently followed by disastrous results. These few examples give some idea of the benefits of prophylaxis in the practice of obstetrics. Prospective mothers should understand not only that there is an advantage in taking such precautions, but that they may be risking their lives, or at least their future well-being, unless they insist upon competent medical attention. It is true, of course, that pregnancy and childbirth are generally normal processes, but they are not always so. Fortunately, most of the abnormalities give timely warning of their occurrence, and in most instances may be relieved by comparatively simple measures, or, if not, they afford indications for treatment which should lead to a happy termination. The recognition of the existence of such conditions, however, is not always easy, and their ideal treatment requires careful training and sometimes the utmost nicety of judgment. Consequently, if prospective mothers wish to be assured of the best care, they should be cautious in the choice of their medical attendant. As the ordinary layman has no means of determining the real qualifications of a physician, the choice should not be made upon the advice of casual acquaintances, but instead the family physician should be consulted, who, should he feel unwilling to assume the responsibility of the case, will be able to recommend a thoroughly competent substitute. From my own experience as a teacher and consultant, I state without hesitation that in no other branch of medicine or surgery are graver emergencies encountered than in certain obstetrical complications, whose treatment involves the greatest responsibility and requires the highest order of ability to ensure a successful outcome for the mother and her child. For these reasons, a physician should be chosen only after mature deliberation, and his services should be esteemed much more highly than is usually the case. In order that the principles of prevention may receive their fullest application during pregnancy, labor, and the lying-in period, it is also advisable that intelligent women should possess some knowledge of the reproductive process in human beings. This information is imparted by Dr. Slemons's book, which I can thoroughly recommend to prospective mothers. 
The subject matter has been carefully chosen, and the author has wisely refrained from giving advice with regard to treatment, which can be satisfactorily directed only after careful study by a physician. At the same time, he has given a clear account of the physiology of pregnancy and labor, and has laid down sound rules for the guidance of the patient. One of the most important facts emphasized by Dr. Slemons is the value of medical supervision for several weeks after the child is born. This precaution contributes greatly toward a rapid and complete convalescence. During the lying-in period, the physician should supervise the care of the mother and the child, should insist upon the necessity for maternal nursing, and should keep the mother under observation until perfectly normal conditions are regained. If the latter duty is conscientiously fulfilled, many years of invalidism may be saved, and thousands of operations rendered unnecessary. Although there have been notable advances in the science and in the art of obstetrics since the middle of the 18th century, a great many fundamental facts must yet be learned. For example, we are almost totally ignorant of the stimulus which causes the mother to fall into labor approximately 280 days after the last normal menstruation. There are two points which I desire to impress especially upon the readers of this book. Firstly, that the advance of the science of obstetrics, and consequently improvements in its practice, must depend greatly upon the cooperation of intelligent women. They must come to realize that they will secure the best treatment only as they demand the highest standard of excellence from their attendants and they can aid in securing this for their poorer sisters and their children by interesting themselves in obstetrical charities. Secondly, they must realize that real progress in the science of obstetrics can be expected to proceed only from well-equipped clinics, connected with strong universities, and in charge of thoroughly trained and broad-minded men. As yet such institutions scarcely exist in this country. Women who are anxious to promote the welfare of their sex can find no better way of doing so than by bringing this need to the attention of wealthy men interested in philanthropy and education. Furthermore, they should bear in mind that most of our important discoveries would not have been made had animal experimentation not been available, as it is solely by this means that modern surgical and obstetrical technique has been brought to its present degree of perfection and further progress can scarcely be expected without its aid. They should remember also that whenever they take such a well-known drug as ergot for the control of bleeding, or make use of many other apparently simple measures, they are unconsciously rendering tribute to this type of investigation. J. Whitridge Williams, Johns Hopkins University, September 1912. End of introduction. Recording by Jeanette Seelig.